0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Welcome along to a Graves on Gridiron special after what has been a hectic few weeks in the NFL. First of all, with this year's NFL draft, then we had last week's schedule release, and the good news keeps on coming because Graves on Gridiron has a new partner. That's right. Touchdown trips, any team, any city. Any game. If you are looking to go and see your team in action live, be it in the States or Germany this season, then get in touch with our friends at Touchdown Trips, specializing in bespoke packages to make dreams come true. And they have a number of trips already planned to the United States for this season. So welcome on board uh, Touchdown Trips. Great to have them in association with us uh, this season. And there are a few teams that have been under a greater spotlight. Than the Denver Broncos, one of the teams that touchdown trips will be organizing a tour to during the course of this season at the end of October. New head coach in place with Sean Payton now in charge. Russell Wilson, of course. It didn't live up to expectations in 2022. Will the arrival of head coach Sean Payton be the answer to Denver's problems on offense? Lance Joseph is back as the defensive coordinator as well so we needed to get somebody that knows all about the Denver Broncos and there's no better person quite frankly than someone I've had the privilege of meeting on any number of occasions spent four years playing up there at Empower Field at mile high 44 starts um, in that sequence as well as some memorable plays that will stick long in the mind of Broncos fans and that man is Nick Ferguson a 10-year veteran as a safety in the NFL And when I caught up with him, we discussed everything from his beginnings and how he made it to a professional footballer in the National Football League right up to the present day and the state of the Broncos. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Nick, it's great to see you. It's been been a while, given everything that's gone on since we were last together face to face. But I keep in touch with you, obviously, across all your social media platforms as well. And you are a busy man at the moment. You're in demand.
0: Well, I'm trying to be uh, in demand as much as I can. There's a lot that's going on, especially living here in the city of Denver. I mean, now we are in the swing of Major League Baseball. The Avs uh, was just eliminated from the Stanley Cup. They won it last year. And now the Nuggets are in the Western Conference Finals. So there's a lot of things going on here in Denver.
1: Yeah, of course. It's in the offseason for um, football, college and pros. But uh, there's certain Deion Sanders seems to have kept, kept the state of Colorado in the headlines over there as well.
0: Well, yeah, Coach Prime has been somewhat like what of a breath of fresh air here in Colorado because the CU Buffs haven't been relevant in, in years. And there are people who love Dion and there are people who dislike Dion. But I am one of those guys who I am for what he's doing. He's trying to bring a different type of culture to a one in 11 uh, college program. And he's trying to do things his way. But if you look at what he's doing, there's a lot of players coming from other tops colleges and trying to say, listen, I want to come to see you to play, you know, my football. I know the air is thin. I know the weather is cold, but I believe in coach prime
1: time. Yeah, I, I didn't think primetime ever likes the cold weather as a player. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes uh, coaching up there in Colorado for sure. But the publicity that's come with him is, is unparalleled and certainly has put um, that collegiate program on the map. Let's talk a, a little bit about you because I got in touch with you back in, in January, February when I was on tour in Ireland with, with Jeff Reinbold, uh, somebody we both know well. Uh, and what are the stories when we were taking... Uh, taking the the tour around Ireland concerned you, uh, as as he put it, one of those players that he's had the privilege to coach that has made him feel proudest to be a coach. And he puts that down to your tenacity, your not willing to quit attitude, the fact that against all odds, you made it as a pro footballer. Now, we've heard on a number of occasions his side of things. what's, What's your version of that story? Because you were an undrafted free agent that initially went to the Bengals in 96, but... Then you bounced around uh, the Canadian Football League and um, NFL Europe before finally getting the, the big break in the NFL. So let, let's hear your version of that story. Well, to try to
0: give it to you in less than uh, 30 seconds, uh, for me, it was just that. It was tenacity. It was the, the drive to win and never to give up. And Richard, the way that I look at this is you can apply this to sports and you can apply it to life. And my motto is you only get one chance to live this life as yourself. So as we would say back in Miami, you you ride it till the wheels fall off. And for me, I've had so many people tell me what's not possible. And unbeknownst to them, that was just kind of the fuel to stoke the fire to kind of keep me going. Every time I was told that I couldn't do something and I was telling my son, Uh, today. uh, His team played in the lacrosse championship yesterday and and they lost. And I say, look, even though you did not win, just think about the things that you can learn from that aspect of losing. You learn that losing absolutely is terrible. It absolutely sucks. So whatever you didn't do to win that game, you need to go and approach the offseason where you have to get better in those aspects of game and, and, and life is the same way as sports. If you fail at something, understand why you fail. What do you need to do to get better? And for me, that that was kind of the catalyst for, for my drive. I knew I grew up in Miami. I knew that I grew up in the inner city and I saw things as a, as a nine and 10 year old that I should never see. And I realized that that wasn't a place that I wanted to be. Listen, don't get me wrong. I love Miami. I, I love I love it because it made me who I am, but I knew there was so much more outside of Miami, and it was those humble beginnings, those uh, pitfalls, those challenges that really helped me uh, persevere in my career as a professional athlete.
1: Now, if I, if I recall the story correctly, Jeff Reinbold was one of those coaches that, that cut you on your way to, to pro football. <laughs> but as, as he tells it, you were on the, the practice squad, I think. You'd made it to the practice mm-hmm. squad at, at the Bills, and he tried to just sort of temper expectations because you were quite excited. You were having none of that. You did did you not turn around to me and say, I am never getting cut again, Coach?
0: Well, yeah, that was kind of my, my, my attitude, and that's kind of uh what I said to, to Coach Ryan Bowl. after and once again, let me let me just kind of give a little more insight. When you've been cut three or four times easily you just think about throwing your hands up and saying, well, this is it. I'm not going to do it. This is not for me. But I just say, you know what? I need to continue to push this because I would hate to know that I was so close and I quit before I was able to get over that dip. And for me, I go out and I tell kids all the time, you have to believe in yourself. No matter what the outside world is saying, you got to block that out. If you believe in yourself and you think that you can achieve whatever that goal is, you have to continue to push it because, once again, when you write the final chapter of your life, you want to at least say that everything that everyone told you you couldn't do, you proved all those individuals wrong. So, so that is kind of the thing that kind of kept me going.
1: It certainly did, and it led to a ten-year career as a pro footballer in the NFL, and that's a nasty and strength of spirit and belief is certainly one of the things that I think Jeff Reinbold admires most about you, um, Nick. You, you went on initially it's being picked up by Bill Parcells at the Jets, but then you you spent a period at the Denver Broncos. You're home now. 44 um, appearance starts, I think it was, for, for Denver, including one of the more memorable plays in the 06 divisional round, I think it was, against the New England Patriots. That yes. Talk us through that one.
0: Well, that was an extraordinary play. I get asked about that question, uh, about that particular play in that game all the time. And here's the one thing that's ironic about that play and the reason why it actually worked, because our then uh, defensive coordinator, Larry Courier, would never blitz me. So teams would normally see me around the line of scrimmage, but they would indicate, well, he's not going to blitz. And this is this played out perfectly in the game against the Patriots when we hosted them, and I remember the the offensive linemen pointing at me, saying to themselves, "Hey, listen, twenty five isn't coming," and it took everything in inside of me not to go jumping up and down because I knew for the first time all season long they were actually going to blitz me. So when I actually blitz. It took them by surprise, but the person that it took the biggest uh, surprise was Tom Brady because he didn't expect me to blitz. And if you go back the players on YouTube, you can see it. I, I come off his left-hand side, and now he's forced to throw the ball sooner than he wanted to, and he couldn't get his plant foot in the ground, so he was throwing it off one leg. And fortunately, Champ Bailey saw it. He stepped in front of Troy Brown. And he took off down, down the sideline. And, and yes, oh, by the way, Ben Watson comes out of nowhere. No one sees him. I never see this guy. And that's just a true testament of and never giving up to knock Champ Bailey out of the end zone. But here's one very important aspect of that play that I tell people to take a close look a listen and look at is there's a rule like you can't touch officials, especially not in an aggressive way. Now. The moment Champ Bailey was knocked out of bounds, I immediately took my hands and I put it on the the shoulders of the official. And I whispered something in his ear. I said, you know what? The ball went out right here because it was so important. Had the ball gone out of the end zone, Mm -hmm. the Patriots get the ball back at the 20 yard line, but the ball actually rolled out at the one yard line would set us up for a score. So, I just call it using the Jedi mind trick on a official.
1: <laughs> a 100-yard interception return, which to this day remains the longest inter- interception return in playoff history that didn't go all the way to the end zone for a touchdown. Does Champ Bailey still talk about that, or is that off strictly off the record when you meet
0: well, now it's prohibited. We can't talk about it. Other people, <laughs> other people bring it up, but he and I doesn't we don't discuss it. And he, and he told me he was like, "Man, I don't want to discuss that play ever again." And I, and I tell him, "I said you don't have to worry about me bringing it up, but what about the other million people who saw that play?"
1: Fair point. Fair point for sure. And of course, the Broncos did go on to win that game, which ended the Patriots' dreams of three straight Super Bowl um, successes. So it's definitely a highlight. Uh, for you, no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about the, the current crop, uh, at the Denver Broncos, um, because our, our new partner on Graves on Gridiron, uh, Touchdown Trips, is organising a trip to the Mile High City uh, for late October, which will take in the Broncos' home game at Empower Field against the Kansas City Chiefs, a big divisional rival rivalry matchup. Um, but the Broncos have got some, some ground to make up. If they're to to get at least to be competitive and up there with the the Reading Super Bowl champions or where they were last season, haven't they, Nick? Because it it didn't go according to plan. It started with great optimism, Russell Wilson coming in, coach Nathaniel Hackett um, and everything he was going to bring in an offensive sense to the team. Well, that all went by the wayside. And now Sean Payton is at the helm. Um, There's been plenty of off-season moves in free agency uh, as well. I imagine it's a slightly different feel around the Broncos this time.
0: Yeah, it it is. And being in the media, you can feel it uh, right away because everyone here in Denver, the local media, they were so used to having a lot of access to the team. Now you're not really getting that now. Sean Payton is coming in and trying to reestablish a new culture and that starts with the media access and what I've told some of the media, the local uh, people here in the media, it is reminiscent of what I experienced in my time with Bill Parcells. That's exactly the way that he ran things and knowing as though Sean Payton is somewhat of a disciple of Bill. Uh, of Bill Parcells, this is now some of the things that we're saying. But it's interesting that you talk about, you know, Russell Wilson and think about the personnel that he brought in here. Last year, it was a rough year under Nathaniel Hackett. The scheme didn't seem as though it fit Russell, but more importantly, the offensive line didn't seem as though they were in place to do what Russell needed to have done for him. And that was one of the reasons Russell left the Seattle Seahawks and wanted to get out of there because the organization wasn't doing a great job of building up that front line to protect him, but they went out and added Mike McGlitchie, who I'm I'm familiar with because I was with the 49ers when he was drafted out of Notre Dame. They brought over a left guard, Ben Powers. So they're bringing in some offensive linemen to make sure that Russell is protected. So there are no excuses. If there is a tagline, Richard, for this upcoming season, I would say it's hashtag no excuses because it was the running game, it was the offensive line that seemed to be problematic for Russell and his offense getting on track, but he will not have that problem this year.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the, the free agent additions uh, to the offensive line. Samaje Pirine from the Bengals as well is obviously a, a, a receiving option out of the backfield. Uh, again, you'd imagine to give Russell Wilson more options um, to, to utilize that offense to the maximum.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, and the question is, well, will Javante Williams be back by training camp so he can actually compete and and the Broncos can actually use his production? But at, yeah, at how, the same how time,
1: fun is he to the offense they want to run? Because he became the bell cow until he got injured last season.
0: Well, he's a, a, an important part of what the Broncos want to do, but you can only work with the players that are available to you. So we know what he can do as a player, but it's waiting and seeing if he's able and how he comes back from that knee injury and seeing if there are any kind of minor setbacks. I can tell you as a guy that had a knee injury, not to the extent of Javante, but it takes some time, not physically, mentally. That's where he's going to have to get over the, the hump and, really show that he can be the type of player he was last year. But you mentioned Samarji Piran. That's why he was brought in here. He can run between the tackles. He can run on the perimeter. And, oh, by the way, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I expect this team to be a play-action type of team, taking shots down the field, but also between the hashes. Because, remember, you look at Drew Brees under Sean Payton, same type of quarterback as a Russell Wilson, vertically challenged, so he has to create – those throwing lanes to make the quarterback successful so that's why I'm predicting a lot of passes right between those hashes.
1: Yeah and on that note did it come as any surprise to you that uh, Marquez Callaway was added through free agency again a wide receiver that uh, Coach Payton will know well from his time in New Orleans and then with the first pick that the Broncos had in the draft remember they, they traded away both the first round uh, picks they had so Pick 63 overall, round two, wide receiver Marvin Mims. You've already got Cortland Sutton there. You've already got Jerry Judy. There are options, and yet Coach Sean Payton seems to be looking to add uh, a greater arsenal uh, for Russell Wilson to cook with.
0: Well, as a guy that played defense and coached defense in the NFL, It's all about making things difficult for the the opposing defensive coordinator. The more weapons you have, the more the strategic planning and design that opposing defensive coordinators will have to deploy. And oh, by the way, we know it's a 17-game season. Last year, the Broncos had a record number of guys who were on IR and they were being paid a hefty amount of money. So you have to make sure, more importantly, that you have the depth, but even and more important than that, guys who are familiar with your scheme. So I had a chance to meet Marquez uh, Calloway uh, at the Broncos facility. And I told him, I said, listen, the, at the moment I found out that Sean Payton was going to get the job, I immediately thought about you. I thought about what your potential was. And this is being Calloway down with the New Orleans Saints and how he was being underutilized. And oh, by the way, he was drafted. Right, He was added to that roster, rather, by Sean Payton and that coaching staff. So Sean Payton wants guys to come in who are familiar with his scheme because he wants to compete. He wants those guys to come in and compete. And when you just mentioned earlier, you talked about Kansas City. In order to compete with that team, you have to score points. And last year, and I tried to remind people, the Broncos are not that far away from the Kansas City Chiefs, and people think, I'm crazy. Look at what they were able to do with Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach and Justin Allen as their O.C. later on in the season. They really pushed Kansas City to the brink. So all you need to do is have guys out there who can run routes and run them in an effective way and Russell can get the ball to them and they can score and the Broncos are right in the party.
1: Well, that was the one question I was going to ask you about, Russell Wilson, this Broncos offense, because they were much maligned for a lot of the season because they weren't able to put points on the board. But you played the Kansas City Chiefs twice in the final month of the 2022 campaign. You lost 34-28 at home, a game which, frankly, the Broncos probably should have won it in the end. And then um, on January the 1st, New Year's Day um, at Kansas City, you lost 27-24, another one score game. So, if the Broncos can do that against the the Super Bowl champions, it stands to reason that if they can find the key to unlock the door, they can do it against any opponents.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Right now, Kansas City is the measuring stick in the AFC West, and since they are the reigning champs, every team is trying to build their roster to make sure that they're able to compete. And once again, I go back to this. It, it sounds ridiculous. But the Broncos, with a coaching staff that is not as experienced and superior as the one they have now, competed against the Kansas City Chiefs twice. Now, I mean, past performance does not dictate what's going to happen in the future. I know that. But knowing as though you added certain guys in free agency, you made your offensive line much better, you added a more physical running back, and now you have Vance Joseph, who's now the defensive coordinator. Who's quite familiar with the Kansas City offense and Andy Reid, now the, the, there are high hopes for the Denver Broncos. And if you can go out and beat Kansas City, I just hope once, but if you're able to do it twice, it gives you a chance. And I'll add this. When you look at the 2023 NFL schedule, to me, it's week five and week six. Week five, they play the New York Jets at home. They host them. And then on a short week, they have to go to the Kansas City Chiefs and play them. Those are the two pivotal games that I'm looking at this upcoming season, because if they could put back-to-back wins together against those two quarterbacks, those two teams, and on a short week, now I really know that Sean Payton's culture has really, his change of culture, that is, has now really taken hold with that locker room.
1: Well, as you bring up the schedule for the coming season, Nate, let's take a, a closer dive into it. We've already mentioned um, the show's new partner, Touchdown Trips, taking uh, a trip, a delegation of Broncos fans over to Empower Field at Mile High for that game, Sunday Night Football, 29th uh, of October. For, for folks that haven't been to um, Empower Field and haven't experienced game day in Denver as a veteran of many game days up there, what, what are they in for? What can they expect?
0: Well, it's going to be really exciting. I mean, the fact that you get the Sean Payton bump based on his experience and his tenure down in New Orleans with Drew Brees and the success that they had. Now you're saying, okay, boy, that, that, that's now coming to mile high. And then knowing it is a division game against a division rival, a team and an organization that you have not defeated in 13 tries. So you know that stadium is going to be rocking because that's about – uh, 17 days uh, between the last game that they play, which will be that Thursday night game, and that in the Week Six matchup on the road in Kansas City at Arrowhead. So that game, once again, we're talking about playing against the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. You play against Patrick Mahomes on that short week, and then you got the Green Bay Packers, and then you have Kansas City again. Right now, that that four game stretch is going to be really important for the Denver Broncos. And if you are coming to Empower Field, uh, man, it's going to be really exciting. Make a lot of noise. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, we don't want you. Don't come. If you're Broncos fans, we love you. Come cheer. Let's make sure we can beat those ketchup bottles.
1: And tailgating is something special up there as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It
0: it is something that... uh, It's great. And I have to say, since I've been retired and I've been covering this team, I've had the luxury of just being around fans and watching them tailgate. Obviously, as a player, I never got a chance to really experience what that was like. But I can tell you, I mean, people come with their RVs coming from driving places like California just to be in the parking lot. Now, I'm not even talking about going inside to the game. I mean, just being in the parking lot, just to say that they were uh, involved in that atmosphere And October 29th. It, it's going to be great. It's around Halloween. So dress up the way that you want to dress up. But it, it's always fun and festive when you watch fans in the parking lot
1: tailgating. And nothing's left to chance, is it, at Empower Field? And it's a few years since... I was last there, but I remember at the time being told even the, the the seats are made so that when the fans stamp their feet, it's meant to sound like thunder, that sort of thunderous noise <laughs> to be deafening and give that home field advantage.
0: Very true, because, I mean, I didn't play here uh, when they had the old stadium, but the fans would always tell these stories about the south side of the stadium and how the stadium would sway and move as the fans cheered and stumped their feet. So I guess they wanted to make sure they kind of captured that same essence in a new stadium, but you're absolutely right. When it gets loud, it gets really loud. And I have to say, even though last season wasn't as great as any of us hoped for the team, there were still moments where you can feel that old mile-high magic with the fan base, but this is why I love the Broncos uh, fans and Broncos country because they're diehards. They love their team and they're going to come out and they're going to root, especially on that October 29th game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Four and four at home last season, the the Denver Broncos. You've highlighted that one-month stretch you feel in the first half of the season that could be pivotal. I wonder how important that three-game stretch will be between Sunday, December the 3rd, and December 17th. Three straight road games in this year's schedule, for the Broncos, it kicks off um, at Houston, then at divisional rivals, the Chargers, before having to go to Detroit, who had um, that that great, well, it's a great game if you're neutral to watch, shall we say. I don't think anybody uh, playing it enjoyed it in the end, given it was a tie last season, but three essentially tough-looking games on paper potentially could be pivotal to, to the outcome of the, the regular season for Denver.
0: Absolutely. And what what I tried to forewarn Broncos fans about, like you look at that first game against the Houston Texans, it seemed as though, okay, well, here's a team with a new coach and they're trying to find their rhythm. They have a young quarterback. But here's what I know about that coach's staff, because some of those guys, D'Amico Ryan being a former teammate, and a former co-worker with the San Francisco 49ers, it is all about defense and getting after the, the quarterback. And that is something that he's going to press upon his guys. So that's not going to be an easy victory. Then you look at the Chargers game. That's always tough. Last season, the Broncos split you know, with the Chargers. And because it's a divisional game, it makes it more, that much more intriguing because in my mind, those divisional games count for more points than playing a team that's out of conference. And then when you're when you trying to kind of round out that and the idea of saying, okay, well, we got three games on the row. And as a coach, you look at, okay, well, and you say, well, you want to win all games. But if you go two and one in that stretch, you would definitely love that because you're absolutely right. That is almost the closing part of the season. And you want to make sure you're playing your best ball at that time. And, oh, by the way, because it's a long season, you know a couple of guys are going to get nicked up. So you're wondering who's going to be available at that particular time. But those last, not three games, those last six games are going to be important because the Broncos end the season the same way they start the 2023 season with a game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And over the past couple of years, that has been the Broncos opponent to end the season, and it hasn't gone well for them. So they definitely want to win that game as well.
1: On the Raiders, given they're a divisional rival um, and that whole AFC West division, how confident are we uh, about Denver's chances this season? Because the Raiders obviously are undergoing a a bit of a transition themselves now with Jimmy G coming in at at quarterback. We know there's pressure on the Chargers. Kellen Moore's now coming uh, as their offensive coordinator. Uh, Quite clearly, the Chiefs are the benchmark. They're the reigning champions um, but I would imagine that everyone in that division feels that second spot is still very much up in the air and everything's playful.
0: Well, at this particular point, you know, yeah, that second spot is up for grabs, and it's, it's anyone's game at this particular point because now you have, like you just said, you have a new OC in Kellen Moore. Will he and Justin Herbert be able to get on the same page? And then you have the wide receivers, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Will those guys actually stay healthy over the past two years, it's been really difficult for them to stay healthy. So if you're a Broncos fans, you, you like your odds because of those things. And then also, the shift things down to the desert and you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, right? You have a new quarterback coming in, even though he's familiar with Josh McDaniels. Now you always wonder about the chemistry with the offense. And I, listen, I've seen Jimmy G do some spectacular things, but once again, you're no longer in the NFC. This is the AFC. There's a lot of talented quarterbacks in this conference and let alone in this division. So right now, I don't know where the Broncos will fit. I'm hoping they will end up being second fiddle to the Kansas City Chiefs. But I'll, I'll wait to give my full, I guess, uh, assessment of the team until I actually see them at practice in the first preseason game when they play I'll be able to tell you more. But this is going to be a competitive uh, division, and this is what the AFC West has been like for years. It was the same way when I played.
1: Well, we'll have to hook up nearer the start of the season and get your thoughts for sure, having seen everybody on the field in person. But as you're a defensive guy, Nick, we'll have to give the final word to the defense. If you're watching this show on YouTube, you can see that picture there of me with Justin Simmons at Wembley on the field last season after that win over the Jags. Justin Simmons was lights out throughout last season. He was one of the bright spots uh, for the Broncos. Their defense played phenomenally well, given uh, the pressure they were off- often under. Is this Denver defense still the same defense as we saw in 2022? It's it,
0: Yes and no. It is the same because some of the same pieces – are here. But it's a little different because uh, Vance Joseph is coming in. He's going to do something a little different. I mean, he's going to do something a little different than Vic Fangio did, Ajiro Evero did. But you still have the core group of guys. They brought Kareem back, Kareem Jackson back for an additional year because they're kind of unsure if Caden Stearns is going to be healthy. So we have to see how this defense gel together because here's what I do know. Vic Fangio wanted to run a lot of a pressure with zone coverage behind it. Now, Vance wants to run pressure with a lot of man coverage behind it. We'll have to see if the guys can actually hold up, but I know the guys in the secondary are looking forward to it. They have the talent to get it done, but you know, just as well as I know, coverage and pass rush are married together. And for those guys to play well in the back end, they need the guys up front to actually be able to get after the quarterback. So I would say make sure... Keep a close eye on Nick Benito and see how he develops in his second year. Randy Gregory, how long will he be on the field? And when he's on the field, how productive will he he actually be? But Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper already know what those edge rushes are. It's all about trying to keep those guys healthy and seeing what they can do collectively. If the pass rush is there, then I would say the back end is definitely going to do well. And that means... Russell Wilson can have an exceptional year because let's go back to why Russell was successful in his days with the Seahawks. They ran the ball well, they had great offensive line play, and they played lights-out defense. That is the recipe for success. The Pittsburgh Steelers have made it uh, a dynasty by being able to do those things. things.
1: Defense wins championships, right?
0: That's what uh, they tell me. They tell me. That's what they tell me. (laughs)
1: All right, Nick, great catching up with you. Great to see you. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, we will have to do this again as we get close to the season. But yeah, um, I hope everybody's staying safe out there, and we can't wait to see you once the the new season comes around.
0: Hey, when you come to uh, Denver, man, definitely let me know. We definitely have to hook up for that.
1: Absolutely, no doubt. Thanks a lot, Nick. Appreciate it. Graves on Gridiron. Nick Ferguson with his thoughts on the state of the Denver Broncos this offseason. My thanks, of course, go to him for giving up his time and joining us on this very special edition of Graves on Gridiron, focusing on the Broncos. My thanks also to the show's new partner, Touchdown Trips. Remember, any team, any city, any game, if you are planning to go out to the United States or Germany this season to see your team in action live, Give our friends at Touchdown Trips a call. You can find them online at touchdowntrips.com. All the contact details you need are there. Give them a call. Find out what they've got to say. And of course, you can still hit me up on uh, any social media channel, be it Twitter, at Richard Graves One, Instagram, RDG Media UK. Um, or of course, you can, can watch this episode online as well. As always, I love talking about the NFL and American football um, with you guys. And we shall look to do it again as and when the uh, time calls for it in this offseason. But for now, the date in the diary, the month in the diary being circled is, of course, September. That's when the 2023 season uh, gets underway. All 32 teams now, they know the games, they know when and where they are. They've got the NFL draft done and dusted. There will, of course, be some moves still to be made in free agency, no doubt. But everything is pointing towards September and the start of the new season. I hope you've enjoyed this special edition of Graves on Gridiron. Until the next time, it's goodbye for now. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1. That's Richard Graves, the number one.
0: Podcast Network.